Welcome to Missions Corner. Our goal at Missions Corner is to bring you stories straight from the mission fields, both locally and from around the world, in hopes of inspiring you to get out and go live the abundant life that Jesus has called you to. Still as true today as when Jesus first said it, the harvest is truly great, but the laborers are few. Today we catch up with Jason Pranzo and Tim Knutson for the third part of our special Dakota Hope Radio episode of Missions Corner. We'll finish our conversation with Mike Spencer, founder of Project Life Voice. The mission of Project Life Voice is to train and inspire people to speak boldly and redemptively against the evils of abortion and to point those who have had abortions to the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Today, Mike continues to discuss ways that you can defend your pro-life position as well as dispel some of the false propaganda the pro-choice movement uses. Let's listen in. ...opportunity to hold that lifeless little girl on a cloth diaper on our hands. And I can't tell you how many times I wished I could take that little girl to high school and university campuses with me and hold her out to my audiences and, and to my opponents and say, you tell me that this is reproductive justice. You tell me this is women's rights. You know, when we're talking about abortion, whether it's a baby that was conceived through the violent act of rape or otherwise, we are talking about killing an innocent, precious human child. This is just wrong at every level. Yeah. And it must be opposed. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and a part of one of the arguments I hear quite a bit now to get, and it has been quite a, around for a while, is situationally. So now, well, that child is going to be born into a poor home, or you know, they could be born into an abusive home. You know, and, and they're using these as excuses of why we should abort that child. Is there, you know, extreme circumstances that may or may not happen? You know, and even stating, well, the, the parents don't want them. Mm-hmm. You know, and they come up with all these different reasonings. Excuses. Yes, excuses. And what we really need to stay honed in on, you know, and they'll bring up all kinds of situations, okay, is that baby still has purpose and that baby is still a life. And, you know, it's regardless, even if we get a, a, a bad report, you know, I mean, they say 80% of uh, reports from the doctors, you know, are uh, potentially going to be aborted then, you know, if they have like a bad report, like there's Down syndrome or whatever it might be. Yeah. Still no reason. Yeah, we sh- it, it's 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 really um, incredible that so many in our culture think that because a baby might suffer, either because of a fetal abnormality or because they're being born into um, a, a terrible home, that that because somebody might suffer, we should kill them now. Right. Um, my 94-year-old grandmother, or I'm sorry, mother-in-law, my 94-year-old mother-in-law fell and got a brain bleed. And she was a very active, independent woman. And she moved in with us for the last four months of her life. We knew she was dying, but we didn't say, well, because she's going to suffer, we'll kill her now. Instead, we looked at it and said, we know she's dying. And so we want to, we want to soak in this time with her. You know, we want to yeah. cherish this time with her. Um, if the possibility of future child abuse is the reason to kill unborn babies now, shouldn't the actuality of child abuse be a reason to kill born babies? In other words, we don't actually ever know if a baby is going to be abused. Now, the baby could be abused in utero. First of all, abortion is the ultimate child abuse. But I mean, a baby is abused in utero if mom is taking illicit drugs and so forth. Excuse me, and so forth. <clears throat> but what I'm talking about is, you know, the idea that, well, this baby's going to end up in the foster care system and it's going to suffer. I don't mean to sound insensitive to that. We don't want to see children in the foster care system, but that's not a reason to kill them. And we would never say to children who are currently in the foster care system, who are maybe suffering now, well, we're going to put you out of your misery. We're we're going to kill you now. Again, this is a, um, a standard that's being applied to justify killing babies in the womb that most people, not all, 
but most people would not use to justify killing children out of the womb. But why not? It's the same baby. Mm-hmm. We should be consistent. No, I'm not arguing that we should kill babies out of the womb. I'm making the argument that we shouldn't kill them in the womb. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And that's one of the part of the SLED acronym, right? Yeah. Like location. Yeah. Size, <laughs> level of development, environment, and degree of dependency. That's the uh, the SLED acronym, S-L-E-D. Size, level, development, environment, and degree of dependency. Those are the arguments that typically uh, pro-abortion people will appeal to to justify killing. But those are not good reasons to kill people right. at any stage of their development. Right. And so if you're listening to this, back it up a little bit and write that down because... If you have this lad sled acronym, you know, memorize, it's always good to be able to. Yeah, it's very helpful. It was developed by Stephen Schwartz, a pro-life author, and it's a very, very helpful. I think most pro-life apologists, you know, use it frequently. I know I do in my my trainings I did last night. Yeah. Yeah. Could you guys uh, repeat that? What what SLED stands for? Sure. SLED, again, is an acronym, and it stands, well, so the S stands for size. Uh, People will often refer to the small size of an embryo or a fetus. Mm -hmm to justify killing a baby. The L stands for level of development. So um, again, this would be an argument that pro-abortion people would appeal to by saying, well, uh, the baby's uh, level of development is such that it doesn't merit personhood status. Maybe it's, again, maybe it has a fetal abnormality or it just can't breathe on its own yet or it's not viable, couldn't live outside of its mother's womb. These would be level of development arguments. Again, those are not good reasons to, I mean, I have a daughter who's 22 years old, who was born with cerebral palsy, and she is functioning, well, she's wheelchair-bound. She has no practical use of her left hand and very limited use of her right hand. And at 22 years old, she functions mentally at about a four-year-old state. Um, so she's not as developed as, as the three of us sitting around this studio right now. Yeah. But that's not a justification to kill her. So that would be the L. The E stands for environment or location. And the question there is, you know, because, again, pro-choice abortion people will appeal to the environment and say well the you know kind of their trump card is well the baby's in the womb you know the baby's in the mother you know her body her rights you know trump this uh, but how how does where you are determine what you are how could a seven or eight inch journey down the birth canal magically transform you from a mere human being to an actual person who now deserves legal protection and then finally the d in the sled acronym so again you got size level development environment and the d stands for degree of dependency again people will often appeal to this and say well you know the baby's dependent upon the mother in utero which is absolutely true but but it's a silly argument because the baby's dependent upon the mother outside of the womb as well for the next 18 years probably and sometimes longer so you know degree of dependency uh, if that's the standard then that would also justify killing conjoined twins not just in utero, by the way, but killing anybody that's dependent, yeah. and it's just—it's really a just an unbelievable. And we're all of, we're all dependent, we're even all as a dependent. grown man. There's times where Absolutely. I become dependent on others. Sure. Well, you know, some in your audience are dependent upon a primer, a spouse as the primary breadwinner. Mm-hmm. Some in your audience are respo- are uh, dependent. I'm sorry, on on medications or maybe on government assistance. But those aren't reasons to kill each other. No, we we would never have a reason to exist. We're all dependent on. Each at, other at in some, some point, way, shape, yes, or form. Absolutely. Yeah. And just so you know, Dakota Hope, we're uh, hiring somebody. We're going to start another part of our ministry where we're going to help those that have gotten um, a, a report that is less than favorable, and they can reach out to us. We're going to be starting that up here as soon as we get someone hired. But uh, when there's that large percentage, of, you know, eighty percent that have gotten an unfavorable report from a doctor tend to choose suicide or suicide i'm sorry abortion uh, abortion they choose abortion for that child that's a, a very big part of it's going to be a big part of our ministry also so that's something that we're looking to start to do um so another another question here just if we can just a couple mm-hmm. more questions mike uh what if a woman's life is in jeopardy do you believe abortion is wrong in these cases mm-hmm. yeah that's a good question and again it's kind of in the category of the rape challenge at least from this standpoint that that's it's a tough one emotionally because there are several life-threatening pregnancy-related conditions that 
frankly cause women to die at times. So that would be things like chorioamnionitis, um, severe placental abruption, uh, uh, uterine cancer, ectopic pregnancy, and many others. And so the question then ethically or morally is, well, what should we do? Can we at least uh, justify abortion in this case to save the mother's life? Well, we actually don't need abortion to save the mother's life. There's no point in which the only way to save the mother's life is to intentionally kill the unborn baby. Now, there are plenty of conditions, like an ectopic pregnancy, where the only way to save the mother's life is to remove the baby from the mother. So either by a salpingectomy or a salpingostomy, one takes the baby out of the fallopian tube, the other one takes the baby and the fallopian tube out of the mother. In both cases, the baby is going to die because the baby at that stage of development is not old enough to live outside of his or her mother's womb, or in this case, body. We don't have a medical protocol right now whereby we can go in and remove that baby from the fallopian tube and transfer it to the mother's uterus. We cannot do that right now. So I think we do the moral good that we can do. The moral good that we can do is to save the mother's life. The baby is going to die. That's just a fact. So in that Mm -hmm. procedure, the baby itself is not terminated. It's not targeted. It's not physically killed. And, And thank you, Jason, for bringing that up because that's the key here. In this case, removing the baby through a salpingectomy or salpingostomy is not an abortion. Because an abortion is the intentional killing of the unborn baby. And this is not the intentional killing of the unborn baby. This is the intentional saving of the mother with the foreseen but unintended consequence that the baby will die. Okay, so it would be a terrible place to be in. My wife and I have not been in that position, but I know some I'm sure in your audience have been. Um, And I'm sympathetic to that. But we, you know, and, and I would encourage your, your audience to go to YouTube and look up uh, an interview between Lila Rose of Live Action and uh, Dr. Anthony Levitino, who is a very respected high-risk pregnancy doctor in the United States, who uh, has saved over 600 women from life-threatening pregnancy-related conditions. And he will tell you boldly in that interview, he has never once had to intentionally kill an unborn baby to save the mother's life. This is um, a lot of fear-mongering going on. And by the way, he goes on in that interview, which is just fascinating to watch, to make the point that this argument that we need abortion in the third trimester to save a woman's life is absolutely ridiculous. That to, to use abortion to save a woman's life in the first, or, sorry, in the third trimester would put her, her life at great risk for death itself. It, you just, because it, it takes time to uh, dilate the cervix in order to take a baby out that's already five, six, seven months of gestation. If you're taking 24 to 72 hours to do that, that mother's going to die. If she's got, say, you know, severe uh, blood pressure or whatever. And so this is just, this is um, not true. It's just been used by the other side to drive fear into the hearts of women and to give them the... By the way, if Roe v. Wade is overturned, it doesn't make abortion legal, but what it does do is send the debate back to the states. And you will have some states where it will be illegal because they have contingency laws on the books already. In those states... If, let's say that happens in North Dakota. Let's say abortion is made <clears throat> illegal here in North Dakota. Women will still be able to get whatever life-saving treatments or surgeries that they need during their pregnancies, even if it results in the baby dying. They will still be able to do that with abortion being made illegal in this state if that were to happen. Because um, because they're not abortions. They're not targeting correct, the baby. Correct. And yeah. even if you go back to prior to 1973, mm-hmm. Women were able to get those treatments back when abortion was illegal. And so there's no reason to believe, and I know of no pro-life leader or speaker anywhere in the United States that wants to take the rights away from women to, to get surgeries or treatments that they need to save their life. 
during their pregnancy. So that'll be a common argument that we see then, that we, we can foresee well, coming. Yes, it's that, already being made, yeah, yeah, and it has been quite for quite some time, quite frankly. Yeah. Okay. Well, you, you know, and that's interesting that you bring that up because it's one of the arguments that I had heard is that women are now going to be, if Roe v. Wade is outlawed, right, mm-hmm. and, and uh, it's overturned and thrown out, um, now women are going to be forced to have dangerous back alley abortions. Right. Yeah, and this is another classic example of fear-mongering from the other side. Um, th- you know, back leading up to uh, the passing of Roe in 1973, this charge was made uh, by Larry Later, Larry Later and uh, Bernard Nathanson, who at the time were the founders and leaders of NARAL Pro-Choice America. At that time, it was called National Abortion Rights Action League. But anyways, they fed a statistic to the media that five to 10,000 w- women were dying every year by back alley, illegal back-alley abortions. Um, this wasn't true. I'll, I'll explain that in a minute, but very quickly, let's first acknowledge that every death by abortion, whether that's legal or illegal, um, and whether that's the baby or the mother dying, every death by abortion is a tragedy. And I want to acknowledge that right up front. Yes. But this argument that, that if abortion is made uh, illegal, that women are going to you know, be forced to get dangerous back alley abortions only makes sense if you begin with the faulty assumption that the, pre- that the preborn are not human. Otherwise, you're actually arguing or claiming that because some people will die attempting to kill others, that the state should make it safe and legal for them to do so. Okay, <laughs> that's so, just yeah, that's just absurd. It's absurd, right? The, look, the role of the state, the, the primary duty of government or of the state, is to protect the weak from the strong. This argument actually turns that on its head and says, no, the primary role of the state is to protect the strong as they kill and ravage the weak. That's what the, what's being argued here. Yeah. Okay, so um, the objection, by the way, that the law. Uh, can't stop all abortions is foolish. Of course it can't. But the law can't stop all rapes either. But we don't do away with rape laws because we recognize the intrinsic dignity of women. They, they deserve that layer of protection. Yes. Um, the other thing I would add is that um, women, if abortion is made illegal, women will not be forced to have illegal abortions. They would choose them. Now, that would be like saying, Greg Kokel uses this illustration, and I think it's really good. That would be like saying that if the state refuses to put an able-bodied 35-year-old man who refuses to work, if they refuse to put him on um, welfare, he's forced to rob banks for a living. Well, again, that's just silly. This is yeah. demeaning to women. It suggests that, first of all, we've been hearing for decades that abortion is all about choice, choice, choice. Now we're, yeah. sa- now we're saying, oh, if abortion is made illegal, women won't, they'll, they'll actually be forced to choose. Like somebody's putting a gun right, to their like head. somebody's putting a gun to their head. This is demeaning to women. It suggests that they're not moral agents, that they can't be responsible to obey God's laws or man's laws. And I think that that's terribly, terribly demeaning. And then finally, and most importantly here, the evidence doesn't support the claim. Um, the fact of the matter is that Larry Later and Bernard Nathanson, well, at least Bernard Nathanson, let me say that, Bernard Nathanson later became pro-life. He was responsible for, I think, about 50,000 abortions wow. himself. He was an abortionist who later became pro-life. He has since died, but he became quite a voice in the pro-life community. And he later stated that he and Larry Later had fed this lie to the media that it was not five to 10,000 women. In fact, here's the exact quote. He said, when we spoke of the number of women dying from illegal abortions, it was always five to 10,000 a year. I confess that I knew the figures were totally false, but in the morality of our revolution, it was a useful figure widely accepted. So why go out of our way to correct it with honest statistics? Mm-hmm. Okay. The real number, according to the Center for Disease Control in 1972 of women dying from illegal abortions was 39. 
That's no. a far cry from yes, five to 10,000. And, and I'm not making light of that. That is tragic that 39 Absolutely. women died trying to kill their unborn babies. Absolutely. But that's a far cry from five to 10,000. Yeah. And this just, and, and you know what? That statistic is still being bantered around in the media and in other places. You can find it on the internet. People are still claiming that five to 10,000 women will die every year from back alley abortions, and there's no truth to it at all. Yeah. Well, even if there's no truth to it, why waste a good narrative, right? Yeah, that's Especially right. Especially if you can lean the argument yeah, in your right. favor. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. So there's another question that I get posed more often than <laughs> this. You pro-lifers are a bunch of hypocrites and you don't care about women or the babies after they're born. Mm. Well, you might be the better one to answer that, but I'll, I'll take a stab at it and then yeah. you can you can jump in if you want. Um, so yeah, this is one we hear a lot. We particularly hear this uh, during uh, election cycles, particularly presidential election cycles. Uh, usually this is um, an argument that people are using to coerce pro-lifers into abandoning their convictions and voting for candidates who want to strip an entire class of our citizenry their most fundamental right. But let's just take a look at this. When somebody says, well, you pro-lifers are a bunch of hypocrites, Um, you've got a fetus fetish, that's what they tell us, you're obsessed with saving the fetus, and once the fetus is out, once the baby is born, you you pro-lifers disappear, you want to take all welfare programs away, and blah, blah, blah. Well, this is one of those charges, one of those accusations that's so demonstrably false that you're almost embarrassed for the person who's making it. Um, And I would just encourage your audience to follow the money here with me. Let's see who the real friend of women and babies, both born and unborn, really is. Right now in the United States, there are approximately 700 abortion clinics. Many of those are owned and operated by men for financial profit off of young women who are in crisis and off the blood of their children. And these guys are driving Lamborghinis and living in gated communities because they're making an awful lot of money off of these young women. Conversely, it might surprise many in your audience to know that right now in the United States, there are approximately 2,800 pregnancy centers like the Dakota Hope Clinic. That's a four to one ratio, 2,800 pregnancy centers versus um, 700 abortion clinics. These centers are almost exclusively run by women for women at no cost to women. Um, everything is free at the Dakota Hope Clinic. Free ultrasounds, which by the way are about 200 bucks or more at Planned Parenthood, okay? They've got a baby boutique at the Dakota Hope Clinic with all kinds of things for women, for moms, and for their babies. Um, by the way, those are babies who are born as yeah. well, okay? Um, you know, parenting classes, all kinds of things. I mean, again, Tim is the better one to speak to that. But, but this is just ridiculous. Now, but let's go back for just a minute to this charge that, uh, you know, that we're hypocrites, that we really don't care about babies after they're born. Even if that were true, let's just grant that for the sake of discussion briefly. Let's say, okay, all pro-lifers are hypocrites. We really don't care about babies that are born. We don't care about their young mothers. What does that have to do with abortion? Right. In other words, if I'm a hypocrite and I don't really care about babies after they're born, how does that render abortion a moral good? How does that mean, because I don't care about babies after they're born, that you can dismember them, decapitate them, or disembowel them before they're born? It doesn't, that just doesn't follow. So it's just a bad argument all the way around. Yep. And I think bringing, shining light onto adoption and just, you know, that it's amazing how the amount of resources that through Dakota Hope, you know, we don't, we're not an adoption agency, mm-hmm. but... To, to direct and guide people onto, you know, resources and that, you know, and the largest percentage of children adopted are adopted into Christian homes. Yeah. You know, so, you know, we're, we're doing our part, but it's not because, you know, we were being guilted into it. You know, the, it, this is not a guilt question for us. Yeah. You know, this is not a, you know, oh, you guys mm-hmm. don't care. You know, it's not that at all. Well, well, let me ask you this, Tim, with, with Dakota Hope, how many 
programs or what programs does Dakota Hope have for women who are post birth? Mm-hmm. You know, who who now have the baby who was mm-hmm. not aborted. Mm-hmm. Well, our Earn While You Learn class is very you know classes. I mean like over 800 classes that we have and they can do it at home they can do it in person they earn points they can spend them in our baby boutique huge part of what we do and so, has saved lives it has physically saved lives so, so can you tell me about these classes what, what what are they yep anywhere from you know about what is what do you expect during pregnancy you know mm-hmm. you know and then what do you expect in the first few months of birth what do you expect as toddlers what do you how, how to deal with teenagers mm-hmm. how to deal with your own relationship between you and your spouse or your significant other Bible studies, you know, even like what to do in case of a fire in your home, finances. I mean, life skills, 800 classes, anywhere from five minutes to 30 minutes. These are all like online classes. Yep, and we can tell if they've completed them, you know, as they're going through them, we're able to tell when the class is finished and then we award points and they take the points and they spend them in our baby boutique and we award, you know, anywhere that's in there, but we also have like, you know, chair what do you call it the baby carriers and we got you know all kinds of things Mm -hmm. big items like strollers strollers yep all kinds of things and and tim and nadia are not driving lamborghinis and living in gated communities (laughs) no (laughs) (laughs) you know it's all free that you know it's it's just really and by the way on top of that there are about three to four hundred maternity homes throughout the united states and canada today Mm -hmm. where are planned parenthood's maternity homes right you know it's just we could go on and on and on the reality is is nobody loves babies born and unborn and their mothers and their fathers like the pro-life community Right. Amen. Right. Amen to that. I have two last questions. One, first of all, first of all, for you, for Tim, um, how do we get in contact with Dakota Hope? Right. So we are online, of course, at dakotahope.org. But, you know, just simply Google it and find it there. Um, and if you are on Google and you find it our Google page, leave a review. It's amazing how big and important reviews are on our page because mm-hmm. it's amazing how many people find us through our Google page in it really tremendously helps when we're at a 4.55. And the only reason we have some negative ones in there is because somebody from out of state says something <laughs> that's not true about us or their opinion. Yeah. And then, you know, so dakotahope.org, they can call us at 701-852-4673. And if we're not there, we have a 24-hour option line. So if they call, they can talk to somebody, set up an appointment. So we have a 24-hour hotline also, which is most people don't realize that. And then, of course, we're located at 315 South Main. We're in the main medical building, uh, kitty corner from the emergency room. So it's right on the corner of Burdick Expressway and Main Street in Minot, North Dakota. (laughs) And so we're open Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Tuesday was our late hours. We're open at 10 a.m. until 7 p.m. So those on the outskirts, you know, can get to town if need be. And then on Wednesday and Thursday, we open from 8.30 until 4.30. Um, We are opening up some mini clinics. Uh, They're going to be ran by... Volunteers. So if you live in the area of Tioga or Botno, we're in the process of getting those started up here. And uh, that'll be a great opportunity there. And then what happens there is that, well, if somebody wants an ultrasound, they can line it up with a new nurse that we just hired. And we are going to send her out there on an appointment to do an ultrasound. But we're also going to offer all the same things that we offer right here. So it's a great way to, you know, and as far as, you know, reaching out to us, I mean, you can set up an appointment. You can just drop in. You know, I mean, so, it's, you know, meeting up those hours. So it's important for our listeners to understand who we are, where we are, what we do. So I just really encourage everybody to go online and get educated a little bit more about what, who we are. And and the wonderful thing is your guys' services are free. Yep, and confidential. And confidential, and confidential. So don't be afraid to reach out if you need education resources, both for women and men. Correct. Right, for both men who are also in the crisis, uh, you know, their girlfriend or is pregnant 
and unexpected and also post-abortion as well yes. right for yep. both post-abortion care for both men and women exactly correct? yep they can call in for that too and we have classes twice a year and that's called discover peace discover peace okay that's wonderful thank you tim thank you tim and mike I've been to your website. A lot of great stuff. What is the website? How sure. can people get in contact with you? Yeah, they can go to um, projectlifevoice.com and uh, they can get a hold of me. There's a, a, a speaker tab. They, they can go to the, to book a speaker and they can get a hold of me through there. Uh, we've got a good turnaround time. Within 24 to 48 hours, they'll have a response from, from us. So yeah, and we go into churches, schools, really anywhere somebody invites us. Pregnancy centers, a lot of work with pregnancy centers, a lot of work with Rights Life affiliates, and um, we would love to come and awesome. provide this kind of training to your community wherever you're at. Awesome. Well, thank you, Tim Tim and Mike, both of you. Thank you so much for the thank time. You. Thank you for uh, the teaching and the education and, and just arming us. Mm-hmm. We need to be armed, especially us men. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I, I know you talk about it, the, the vilification of manhood and the well, I'm going to say it, the wussification of men. Mm-hmm. It's it's no longer right. politically correct to be men of God, right. especially men. It's time for us to stand up and, and fight for the rights of the unborn. It, I know many men who are very much Second Amendment gun-toting, you know, you'll never pry my gun out of, you'll pry it out of my cold, dead hands, but yet where is stepping up for the unborn? Yeah. So let's let's be men of courage. Let's be men of God and stand up for the unborn. All right. This is uh, Jason Pranzo and we are signing off. Thanks for listening. This concludes our discussion with Mike Spencer of Project Life Voice. We hope you enjoyed this special Dakota Hope radio episode and pray you'll join us on the next broadcast of Missions Corner. At Missions Corner, we pray that this episode has fueled your passion to fully live the life Jesus has called you to. As the Apostle Paul reminds us in the book of Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10, Jesus saved us for a reason. He gave us a purpose. That purpose is to win people to Christ, disciple them in Christ, and send them out for Christ. You can listen to this podcast on demand for free on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Overcast, or visit missionscorner.com. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord has greatly blessed you.